Christ is our firm foundation. We've been singing it this month here in September as we walk into the next chapter of our church's history. We're taking each week in this month to talk about just a different part of our name. And so last week we talked about Renew and what led your leadership and this church family and its membership to overwhelmingly support calling this church Renew. And the renewal that God offers supported by the scriptures of Romans, especially Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to make things new in quality, to refresh and revitalize. And not only I pray is that going on in the pulpit, in your hearts and in your lives, but you'll see it around the campus as well, that um, we desire to be a place where people kind of come in, there's a storm out there, right? And even if you've got an umbrella of truth, I've noticed that when I have an umbrella, I still get wet sometimes, right? Well, you come in here a little wet and we hope to dry you off with the word of God and send you back out there, maybe into a storm, but knowing that your mind's been renewed by the word of God. But there's a second part of our name, um, and that's our middle name, if you will, Renew Bible. Bible, the definition, you look it up, it's called the sacred scriptures or a book, Regarded as authoritative, we wanted Bible in our church's name so that people understood when they drove by, when they came in here, that it's not just something we talk about on Sunday, but it's something we live by. And it's even kind of startling to me how many people would say, we love coming to renew because you preach the Bible. And, and I kind of think, well, what else would I be doing? But we live in a day and age where churches, that's not necessarily the case. Oh, I pray that's never the case for this place. And that was the prayer of your leadership too, that this name would be something that would move into the generations that would come to know that this is one of the firm foundations we're building on. Renew didn't come from nowhere. It was birthed out of scripture. Finding in over seven verses, renew in, in ways that we, we just thought were awesome ways to center and build a foundation off of. Well, Bible doesn't come from anywhere either. And just like I, I shared seven verses about renew, here's seven claims of scripture I wanna share with you. And if these things are true, wow. And I don't know about you, but I love the word of God. And when I read these self-claims of scripture, I get super excited about it. So whether you were forced to come here to just make mom happy today, whether you were excited to walk into the house of the Lord, whether you just need a little bit of more energy because this week's been rough, look at the self-claims of scripture. Because I'll tell you what, we ask a question, why would we want Bible in our name? Well, why would we not want Bible in our name might be a better question. Because look how amazing the Bible is. The Bible says, do you know this? The Bible says it is the written words of God. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The great God of the universe, God Almighty, Yahweh, Adonai. These are his words given through men, human authors, inspired by his words. This is God-breathed scripture. Some of you have more than one copy in your house of the written words of God. We have access to it. 
Second, the Bible says this, look at this. The Bible is a source of truth in a world where you don't know who's telling you the truth or lies. The Bible says this is the truth. And one of its self-claims is the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Another self-claim of scripture is this, that the Bible is without error. Psalm 19:7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise simple. The Bible also has a self-claim that it is something that can make you wise. Scripture says this, Paul, writing to Timothy, from childhood, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. I don't know how many of you were privileged to be raised in a home where the Bible was adored. Your view of scripture is probably immense because you've had this from your birth. It's able to make you wise. The Bible also claims that it will not return empty. Scripture says this in Isaiah, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish what I, what I will purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent. I'll give you a little inside scoop on my preaching style. Some of you know that I like to engage the learner in lots of different avenues, from pictures to listening, to speaking back, to memorize, to whatever it takes, a prop, whatever, what I wanna do is engage you with the word of God. We're not out here to put on a show, okay? We might get accused of that one time, time. Here's the agenda, to help you engage with the Almighty's written word of God, to know it, live it, and then go behave like it as you leave here, amen? And so our goal is that you hear the word of God. And I read this verse when I was a young preacher, and I went, so that means even if I stink, I mean, I'm really boring and bad. If I give them a lot of scripture, they're gonna have a good Sunday. That's what that tells me. The more scripture you get, the better. And so I try to pump as many verses as you can because I remember sitting in auditoriums, listening to preaching, and sometimes one verse would just grab me and I go, I don't need anything else. That spoke, that's what the word of God is capable of. And when you get it out, when you get it out, doesn't return and void. Scripture also says this, that the Bible will remain forever for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. You know, my goal today is not to give you this big like uh, defense of scripture, okay? Because I'll just be perfectly uh, honest that's kind of a joke that a guy shows up in 2022 and thinks he'll defend something that's been around over 2,000 years protected by the almighty hand of God. I'll give my best shot, but the Bible doesn't need my help. And the Bible will survive a lot longer than this flesh will. And so because it's the word of God, I celebrate it and I share it with you, but it doesn't really need my help because whether I'm around or not, that's gonna last forever. How many emperors, how many emperors have tried to extinguish that book and it's alive more than ever. The New York best time seller, every year they don't even list it anymore out of boredom. The Bible will remain forever. The Bible is living and active. What? It's living and active? No, it's like a, a paper. The words of God that you've been given, 
through scripture, are living and active. For the word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It can pierce in the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God can cut through the hardest of heart. You bet it can. How many did that happen for you? The word of God is living and active. You will find as you go through life, you know the word of God, it will continue to speak into your life. And what you read as a child, you read so much different as an adult, but it's still communicating just like it was. How many young parents, you read the Bible before you had children and you read the Bible after you had children and scripture became alive so much more on God's sacrifice and love for his kids that your perspective in scripture Scripture grows with you. But on top of that, scripture itself says it's living and active. And so look at this. The Bible, imagine your life without it. Imagine not knowing the verses of scripture. Imagine this not being a part of your life. And for so many in our world, for less than, for around 50% specifically Americans, if you're watching from America, or if you're with us, obviously you are, this isn't even part of their life. And so you're left with Google searches, apps, podcasts, to tell you what's truth or not. That's all you got. And so if they're scared, you're scared. If they're upset, you're upset. If they're worried, you're worried. If they're angry, you're angry. Imagine if you had a truth source that was here before and will be here after. Imagine your life without it. I can't imagine my life without the Bible, not because the Bible itself is so great, but it tells me about Jesus. I was just a little boy and I heard a song and it went like this. Jesus loves me, this I know. What? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. The Bible is where I heard about my best friend and my hero and the one who can save my soul, and I don't know about you, but I've been on this earth long enough. I've had enough accomplishments. I've had enough failures to learn something. This world has nothing to offer. And Jesus has everything to offer. And he offers me love unconditionally. And my Bible told me about him. If you took my Bible away, I don't have a knowledge of Jesus because my dad wouldn't have heard about him and his dad wouldn't have heard about him and his dad's boss who shared it with him wouldn't have heard about him. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The Bible, we pray, will be a foundation not only for this current generation of leadership for Renew Bible, but we're a 124-year-old church. If the Lord tarries, we pray the next generation of leadership will remember the anchor, the foundation, the firm rock we've built on. Renew Bible Church. Would you join me today as we talk about this foundational piece, the Word of God? Heavenly Father, use your word today to inspire us to want to know it better, to want to know it deeper. And to be perfectly honest, Lord, renew our passion to be in the word of God. 
We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You know, every house has filters, you find out when you're a homeowner. If you're a new homeowner, you realize how often you need to change those filters. And now that I brought it up, how many of you have not changed your filters in a while? This is your annual reminder. Filters help the unit run better. It helps your house run cleaner. It's everything better. And sometimes I'm like, man, why is the air conditioner not working? I remember hearing things like, did you check your filter. You know, I would ask you, in the society we're living in, what's your home's filter when it comes to the word of God? You see, the word of God has been given to us by, uh, through passed down through generations from God giving his word through the prophets, through the writers, and now it's up to us on how we will receive that word. And if you grew up in a home where the word of God was readily received, I bet your filter receives the Bible with great trust and belief. But if you did not, there's a chance when you look at the Bible, your filter says, I don't believe it. I don't trust it. I'm concerned about it. It seems condemning at times. It seems a little, it seems a little graphic at times. It seems a little archaic at times and irrelevant. What is your filter when it comes to the things of God? And could I ask you if it's resistant to scripture, have you ever thought through why? Why? I mean, what is it that I've heard or has been said that has put a filter up of, I don't want this in? But see, this is what the biblical worldview is. It hears the Bible, it believes the Bible, and it desires to have the Bible as its authority. Yet, you live in a world where that is further and further from the truth. And so, therefore, you also have filters on how you receive things. And if the Bible says it, you filter it through what you believe are your truth sources or where you go for what you want to hear. But so often, have you not found that we select our filters based on our biases or what we've heard? What if you gave it a new look and said, how do I receive the word of God. For a biblical worldview does not receive the Bible through that, but everything it hears goes through the scripture. That's its filter. That's Renew Bible. Have you ever even considered, if you haven't yet, or if you're tuning in today and you're like, I want to have a biblical worldview, but there's been things I've been hearing that concern me. There's been things, but, but can I share with you? that so many think the Bible is just for this religious crux or it's for simple-minded people. But did you know that there are many that have investigated this incredibly thoroughly before casting their lot? Those who went into it saying, I'm going to disprove the scripture. That was their filter and have gone an about face. I I love the writings by Dan Botafuco. He's a New York uh, trial attorney and Dan wrote five reasons Five reasons the Bible's the most important book you'll ever read. And he investigated, he worked through it, and he shared this with the Pocket Testament League. And I've always held on to this. I, I find it very neat how he goes about this. The first thing he says is, you've got to understand something. This book has transformed society. It was the first thing printed on the Gutenberg. You can't act like this thing hasn't 
transformed society. Those who do not have biblical worldviews go, you've got to take account for this Bible. It is informing society for it's educational. He writes, it would be impossible to claim to be an educated person in today's world without at least having a familiarity with the events contained in this book. It is not for the simple-minded. It is a book of education. You can learn Hebrew and Greek, poetry styles, narrative styles, genre throughout the words of God. But even go further than that, he says this, this book is also something people are willing to die for. It's controversial. I mean, you want to read a controversial book? The Bible's a controversial book. I mean, people have died torturous deaths simply to gain access to this book. He writes, you may even now be in a country where this book is discouraged or even banned outright. Yet, yet, it goes across college campuses that uh, it's just a book of myths and fairy tales. But last time I checked, nobody was lining up to die for Cinderella. There's something about that book. Whether you like it or not, we have to admit, there's something about this thing, what people are willing to give their lives for it. He says this too. It contains a life-changing message. The Bible has liberated many from oppression by its clear teachings. It raises the dignity and rights of every human being ever born. It contains clear teaching on the value and worth of every individual. The book, the word of God is inspiring. So many times you'll hear the critique of scripture that is filled with these graphic things and things that seem like just evil things that God's even prescribing like in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. But that's because the world sometimes has not investigated the scripture to read that it's not like an encyclopedia book where you pick a verse, it's a story. It's his story. And the Old Testament begins with how God works with his people Israel, with the Jewish people and how he chose them how to go to their promised land. But Jesus comes and fulfills this law that God holds them to and he dies on the cross to set them free from that law that they might accept Jesus through faith and live in the grace that he provides at the moment of salvation and moves us through the New Testament where we can live in the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. This book is not just something to read, it's the story of Jesus Christ. It contains a life-changing message and Jesus was a life-changing person. He walked into a society that degraded women and said, come on, Mary Magdalene. He walked into a society that thought children were beneath them and he said, let the little children come to me. The book develops and develops and develops to the point where it shares prophecy about what will happen in the end times. On top of that, the book of Daniel has predicted four empires 400 some years before they came to be. The book is also relational. You may have heard of the God-man Jesus of Nazareth, also called the Christ, he writes. You may even think you know him, but if you not read the account firsthand throughout this book, you will, in effect, know nothing definite about him. It contains one of the most important people's figures in history. We have a calendar. You write your checks 2022 because of Jesus Christ. It started at zero. It started with him. Our society is built around him. And it's authenticated. 
Scripture isn't just this random thing that's put together. It's been authenticated and authenticated and authenticated. Why? Because it's been attacked so much. This book is the most copied book of antiquity, written over a time period of 1,500 years. It was completed approximately 2,000 years ago, yet in all the centuries that have passed, none of its contents have been found inaccurate. You say, I have heard there are some like errors. I heard there was like an article. There are variants when it comes to transcribes transcriptions, excuse me, that can be looked at as errors, but you have to understand how textual criticism works. It's like they have transcripts, okay? And there's lots of transcripts, and each one of them might be written by a different transcriptor, okay? Or scribe, excuse me. And they're all over the place. So the more transcripts they have, the more they can compare them and see if we have an accurate copy. So if this one says, Renew Bible's a great church. Renew Bible is a church. Renew Bible is great church. Renew great church. Hmm, okay. Um, Renew Bible is a great church. They compare them, and that's what's called variance. And sometimes the scribe missed a the. The scribe missed an uh. The scribe missed a we. But it's not changing the contents. And so when you see these variants, what they do is they compare the transcripts. And then they weigh the challenge of that to see if we have the most accurate thing. Do you know of all the literature and scripture, one of the most familiar books that people never challenge the authenticity of is Homer's Iliad. Why? Because it has over 1,900, picture 1,900 transcripts all over the stage. And nobody challenges its contents. We have the books of Josephus. The historian, over 55, picture 55 transcripts, and they compare them all, and they go, does our copy best reflect all these transcripts? Do you know with the word of God, just the New Testament, you know how many manuscripts there are? There's over 20,000 manuscripts to look at and compare them for authenticity. There's not even another book in history that has the transcripts we have of the Bible. Yet the Bible is the one that is most attacked for not being authentic. Do you think there's a chance that there's a bias filter up towards it? When all the evidence points to a trustworthy document? You might be sitting here going, Chris, I love the scripture. This is all great. I don't need any of it. The word of God is so important to me. But only 50% of our country thinks it's worth reading. But did you know if you're part of the 50% that think it's worth reading, do you know how few people that call themselves Bible people are reading it? I mean, this bear, we bear a Bible in our name. I mean, we're a Bible church. Our family's building the Bible. Do you know what statistics say? Barna research and different researches of how many people are actually reading the Bible that they have one of their own. In 2021, 11% of people read it seven times a week by themselves. 11%, okay? Um, they put the four to six times, about 5% of people read the Bible four to six times. These are, the Bible is the word of God and we need. 9%, two to three times. Once per week, two, 9%. Once per month, 8%. Three to four times a year, around 8%. Once or twice a year, 8%. Less than once a year, 13%. And of people who have a Bible, 
29% of them don't read it by themselves. So that means if you've got a Bible or maybe five in your house, you're solely depending on what your preacher is reading to grow your faith. Because the only Bible you're ever getting is a guy on Sunday for 40 minutes. That's not enough. This is the words of God. This is the written word of God. This is life changing. It is living and active. It is the cure for anxiety. It is the bedrock for faith. It is the passion for life. It's the purpose in living. Yet of people who have the Bible, who believe in the Bible, around 10% on average are reading it by themselves. don't, Don't you let the devil in here and condemn us. Let's just let the Holy Spirit go. Man, you check your apps more than that. I know, we all know it. And you read a lot of other sources more than that. So, so, so let me ask us this then. If that's the case, that's not the case of our church. We're like way better, right? But if that's the case, we're letting the devil do 90% of the content input in our lives. He gets that much. We can't let the devil win. We're not snacking on this thing enough. Why? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You say, well, I'm a a Christian. I go to Renew Bible Church. I'm not being transformed to this world. Well, let's just take our Bible reading. This world is preventing us from getting excited about this thing if we're allowing it to seep in. Have you ever noticed when you're watching political commercials, if the political commercial is for the candidate, it's serving smiles. If it's against a candidate, it's mean pictures and stuff like that. And you're like, boy, he's a really mean guy. No, it's called marketing. It's called marketing. Yet, yet we see this and we do all these things, but do you understand the world has a view of scripture that is, and we can't be transformed, we can't be conformed to that. They have this view and I'm, t- I'm gonna tell you right now, There's a lot of really awful things that have been done in churches and done in the name of that book that are not okay. Please hear me when I say that. There is a lot of truly awful things that have happened inside church's doors in the name of Jesus. But that's not the Bible. And we can't be conformed to that. There's an aspect in our postmodern world that is called, if I give it a title, it's not my title, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a title that you'll hear in education. It's called chronological snobbery. The newer something is, the more we should do it. And the past, that's just old. They didn't understand. That was before they were educated. It was before we had access to all this technology. And, and, and to be honest, the Bible seems to be divisive, condemning. It's graphic in content. And, and let's just be face it, it's, it's irrelevant. That's not Renew Bible's filter. I tried to think of a filter for Renew Bible and how we look at scripture. And I found an image that I think best reflects our church as a whole. Here it is. We call it the delight dynamic. You know, every family has a dynamic. It's like your culture. One family's dynamic 
is to go on trips. Another family's dynamic is to stay home and cozy up. Every family has dynamics. One of the dynamics, if you're newer to our church, if you're just checking us out, if you've heard about some of the things we're working on, one of our dynamics is we love the Bible. We look at it as a delight. It's kind of a snack. We look forward to it. And I'll tell you what, that's the way I look at it. I don't know what I'd do without it. I'd really have a hard time in my job without it, I believe. <laughs> but it's a delight. I wanna tell you something, young people, you're gonna, I'm gonna encourage all 20 year olds, okay? And young dads, young dads, okay? Um, like you're in your mid 20s and stuff. The snacks of your youth come back when you have children. See, when I was, when I was at a certain age, I'd say, Becca, could I have some cereal? And Special K would show up. But when her beloved children ask, all of a sudden, Captain Crunch is back in the house. <laughs> Count Chocula, yes. Fruit roll-ups are back. And I go in and I enjoy them. And I, and I remember my time spent in front of Honey Nut Cheerios. Snacks come back, but there was one snack that came roaring back into my life with children. <laughs> Do you understand this? Does this speak to you like it speaks to me? Oh my goodness, and it's the super pack. So that's even better. I mean, you pop these open. I dare you to eat one, I dare you. You get one of these things and oh, it's sealed, everyone. So I pop this, oh man. And then you look in and you know how some are disheveled. They go down first. Have any of you ever restacked? Almost like a deck of cards. You gotta restack a little bit. You gotta make sure and you get, I'm only gonna do this. You say, I'm only gonna do this. No, you're not. No, you're not. Some of you are frustrated with the long cans. You can't get your hand all the way in there. <laughs> one of the guys in pastor's prayer partners, he said, my son one time took the Pringles can and shook it. I went, no. <laughs> he goes, he shook it right in my face. I almost kicked him out of the house. <laughs> you don't shake Pringles. I said, but guys, what do you do when you're done a full stack? And they all did the same thing. Oh, I love Pringles, and it's a snack that came back. The psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. It's meditate, I meditate on it day and night. Where, where's that verse? Where's that verse, Chris? That verse is found in Psalm 119. Have you ever read Psalm 119? The longest chapter in scripture. Have you ever opened up your Bibles in Psalm 119? You're like, man, this guy went too long. I mean, good grief. I mean, oh my word, look at this. It just keeps going. Oh, I know the weeks that Pastor Chris just keeps going. He must have wrote Psalm 119. But, but, but it's just so long, right? And you're like, what is this about? But see, we're a church. We don't like to just read it literally. We like to read it historically and we like to read the Bible grammatically. And that gets us even more excited than just reading the words. So we read this historically and we find, you know, there's 176 verses in this. 
we begin to realize these are stanzas. He's not going on and on. There's intentionality to that. And so we read it grammatically as one of our hermeneutics, and we find out one of the reasons he keeps going on and on is because it's the Hebrew alphabet broken up in eight-verse chunks. What? Let me show you. We jump into seminary here for a second, and we begin to realize Psalm 119 is 22 stanzas for 22 Hebrew letters with eight verses in each for a total of 176. So here is the Hebrew alphabet. Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Delet, He, Vav, Zion. Over here, we see how they're written. So this is verses one through eight in Psalm 119. Now, Aleph is written by this Hebrew word. Now you go, why are they all over? here because Hebrew was written going that direction. And so each word in Hebrew starts with that letter in the alphabet. And the same is true of Bet, Gimel, Deleth, all the way down. And that is why you have these different sections. And on top of that, blow your mind, the psalmist has something to teach you in each one of those sections. For example, Aleph. One of my favorite verses in there is, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Oh man, pursuing the blessed life, read Psalm 119, one through eight. Give me Beth, comes down here, go Beth. Battling impurity and temptation, eight verses. I love verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, oh, give me Gimel, okay? Come down to Gimel, seeking wisdom for the journey. Eight straight verses. I love verse 18. Open my eyes that I might behold your wondrous things out of your law. Give me Delath. Go ahead, Delath. Struggling with sorrow. Psalm 119, verses 25 through 32, talk about struggling with sorrow. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Go ahead, go ahead. Prone to distraction, 33 through 40. I like 37. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Give me life in your ways. Go ahead to one more vav. We know W is pronounced v, the V. Feeling threatened, Psalm 119, 41 through 48. Maybe you're getting falsely accused or threatened. Take not thy word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in you. How about Zion? How about Zion? Finding comfort and hope. I love 54. Your statues have been my songs at the house of my sojourning. I remember one night just studying the word of God and going, wow, Psalm 119 is incredible. I mean, it has so much depth, so much amazing reality. And then I came to men. And that's where it stopped for me. In these eight verses, the psalmist breaks down his love for the word of God into words that keep coming up. In this section of scripture, law, it means God's instructions, word, God's thoughts, his testimonies, God's ways are written down as witnesses. So like stories of the past, his ways, how God wants to live out our journey through us. Precepts, God's order, the way he has made life to work. Statues, laws, and ordinances that will bring blessing if I follow them. Commandments, God's action, what he wants us to do. Rules, what is just and the right thing to do. This is how the psalmist describes it. Yeah, and it pops up in these verses. I was just reading Word of God and I didn't realize there were so many nuances to it. That's gonna make the Word of God come to light. And so I jump into verse 97 and I see, oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation day and night. The psalmist says, I just, I just think about it day and night. Any dairy farmers? You ever see a cow just eating? Kids, you ever wonder why they eat all the time? It's like swallow already. They did. It's come back up. 
Oh yeah, do your research. <laughs> they eat it, bring it back up, and eat it some more. You might say, my dog does that. No, that's the dog returns to its vomit. That's a whole nother. They, they are chewing the cud. And in doing so, if you like good milk, you want them to do it a lot. But it's just this, like Pringles all day long, kinda. If you wake up to an app, you're gonna chew on that all day. You wake up to emails, you're gonna chew on that all day, aren't you? Somebody's gonna say something at work, you're gonna chew on that all day. What if you, like the psalmist, woke up and said, I'm gonna snack on something before I start my day, and it's gonna be the word of God. He continues, only do I contemplate it. Renew Bible, we want it to be our contemplation. He says, you know what? The word of God is my guide. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it's ever with me. I look at commandment. I know that's something that God is an action. He wants me to do. He wants me to know his word of God so that is ever with me. I had, I had somebody challenge me. He said, you know, teenagers, this back when I was a youth pastor years ago, and, and they said, teenagers today, they, they know more beers than they know Bible verses. I'm like, come on. I'm like, well, maybe. Okay, but then I thought, how could we find this out? So I took our group of teens out. We went on this trip, and I said, we're going out under the stars, and we're quoting as many Bible verses as we can. Like, okay. Now, this was before cell phones, so I had their attention. We went out, we laid down on the ground. There's about 30 to 40 of us. And I go, all right, start. And it started how you would expect. Jesus wept. All right, good, good. For God so loved the world. All right, good. In the beginning, God created. Okay, we're good, we're good. But about 10 minutes in, these kids are dropping verses I had no idea they knew. And you could hear them going, oh, good one. Some of the kids would start it and get in trouble and the other kids would start helping them out. I will never forget that night because it brought such joy to me because they have these memorized and that means those verses will go with them and his word will be ever with them. If you lost everything, how much verses, how much word of God do you got stored up that you could snack on. Oh, I have more understanding than all my teachers, he continues. For your testimonies are my meditations. Your stories of what you've done, they're my meditations and they help me in life. I remember thinking about this verse and going, how could I apply this in my own life? What story could I dwell on that could help me in my current situation? I was going into a time period where I was gonna have to be around a lot of businessmen working on something. God, I was kinda, you kinda designed me to be a pastor, not necessarily a businessman, but I wanna grow in this area. I need perseverance in this area. I need wisdom. I need leadership. I'm going to need some boldness. And I asked one of my friends, what book of the Bible do you think I should read? You go, what? Why didn't you just go to Google and go five things to be a great businessman? I want to know what book of the Bible I should read. I'd read Nehemiah. I'm like, I'm reading Nehemiah. I loved Nehemiah so much, I turned it into a sermon series that many of you came to called Marching On because I learned so many techniques about how a man of God leads projects. 
by meditating on how Nehemiah said, I'm sorry, you can talk all your trash. I'm not coming off this wall. I have a job to do for God. I needed that in certain moments. I was able to understand more than what other things of the world said because I had that truth source. He continues, the Bible's my advisor. I walk around every day with an advisor, yet 10% of people who own Bibles who swear by it, read it. 10%. Yeah, I'm with you, Chris. For 40 minutes, I'm with you. We got stuff, and I got stuff, I get it. But we gotta hear that and go, I'm not conforming to this world. This world doesn't get to talk that much. This is only 10% of my life. When it's like an advisor that can go around and share with me precepts about life. I remember the first time being in college, I couldn't get a hold of my dad. He was my truth source. I praise God for him. I called him, dad, what's the Bible say about this? And I didn't know what to do. So I thought I got to find it in scripture. And so I was in my dorm room. I said, God, I just got rejected from being part of a missions team. I really wanted to be on. I was really upset. It hurt my ego, it hurt everything. I was embarrassed, I didn't make it. And I was sitting in my dorm room, I said, God, I need you to speak because none of my people are available. And I said, I'm gonna open your word of God in Psalms. I remember one of my friends saying, whenever you're depressed, read Psalms. I'm like, okay. So I opened up Psalms, I said, Lord, I'm gonna wait till you speak to me. And I read chapter one, nope, two, nope, God. It's kind of like that. Three, nope, still not. Four, five, I just kept reading. I said, I'm not gonna stop reading. I got to Psalm 63. I can tell you right now to this day, I'm a pastor because of Psalm 63. Because he spoke to me for the first time through his word of God without my parents and my mom and dad or my church or my pastor. And he said, Chris, I will advise you in life. Cling to me. My soul clings to you. You can't cling to anything in this world. Cling to me. And all of a sudden, all the basketball games, all the things, all the stuff of this world grew strangely dim I just wanted to cling to God. Oh, the psalmist says, oh yeah, this Bible's great. It's not only our advisor, it's this. He says, it's it's my authority. I'll hold back my feet from every evil way so I can keep your word. I'm gonna hold back my feet. I'm gonna show restraint. I remember walking in to a, a person I truly respected in his faith. And I said, hey, can I get your help on this one Bible verse? He goes, hold on, let me get my Bible. He got up from his desk. He went back to the back of his office and he starts reaching for the top shelf. I'm like, what is he doing? Ah, got his Bible. I said, why, why do you put your Bible up there? Oh, Bible always goes on the top shelf. Like, what? Yeah, I don't want the Bible with the rest of the books. That thing's wholly separate. That's my words of God. So I always put it on the top shelf. So I remind myself visually, everything falls underneath this. If I haven't gone to the top shelf, why am I going to the lower shelf? And he goes and he stretches for his Bible. Renew Bible wants the Bible on the top, not the bottom. We read the Bible and understand when God tells us don't, he means don't hurt yourself. God's not out to wreck our fun. He understands we're like sheep. We're little kids who go, look, a stove. I like stoves. They're so pretty. A furnace, it's red. The Bible, when you understand God's love for you. See, you can't 
buy into this. God is hate. God loves you. And while you were yet a sinner, he died for you. And he, and he's like, Oh, look that. Hey, we're going to go this way. When God says, don't, he means don't hurt yourself. I do not, I do not turn aside from your rules for you have taught me. The Bible's not only that, it's my tutor. It's my tutor. I remember the first time I was in a college class. Any college students listening? And the professor said, here's the textbook. And it got handed out. It was before we had to go down to the bookstore, right? And the textbook got handed out. He says, I want you to read the textbook. And I looked at the textbook, and it was weird. It was my professor's name. He had written the textbook. See, when your professor tells you to read the textbook and he's the one who wrote it, you better read the textbook. And you can't act like you didn't read it because he's the one who wrote it. So I'm looking at that going, well, that's pretty sweet actually that he's the guy who wrote it. Now here's what the psalmist says about the Bible. Not only is this a textbook that God wrote, he wrote it for you. You have taught me. When you begin to realize, when you grab this snack and you open this up and realize this was written with me in mind, it changes everything about your desire to chew this up. Going through a season in your life where you're trying to run everything, you're trying to run away from everything, you're blaming everybody else for all your struggles and you're trying to run, open the book of Jonah. You're going through a season in your life where you just want to know, is Jesus Christ God open the book of the gospel of John? If you're going through your life where you're kind of jaded, you've been a Christian for a long time and you're struggling with the garbage in this world and what you're going through, open Habakkuk up this afternoon. Try Ecclesiastes if you really want to have some fun. If you're going through a season in your life of trial, and everything's weighing down, you feel like it's a desert, don't just read Psalms, get into Job. If you're going through a season in your life where authority feels like it's being too hard on you, why haven't you read First and Second Peter yet? These are books that have been written for us and he wants to tutor us. Oh, and the psalmist says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey on my mouth. It's a snack. I look at the word of God. See, here's what I've learned about Pringles. I don't just eat them sometimes. I keep coming back. And that's what happens with a snack. You just keep coming back. You say, Chris, I'm not so much a salt guy. One of the pastors in the back, he said, Chris, uh, you're the salt guy. I said, yeah, I, I, I love salty things. I have another problem. He said, really? I said, I have another problem. Popcorn. What? I love popcorn. My daughter went to college. She said, one of her roommates literally asked me this, Dad. She said, why do you eat your popcorn so fast? And my daughter said, I have one answer. Because of my dad. He'd eat it too fast. We wouldn't get any. So we ate it. We ate it. I'd have a whole bucket done before the movie starts. Guys, go get another bucket. We get two. I love popcorn. It's a problem. You hit 40. All these things aren't that fun anymore. But before that, I love that stuff and still do. Maybe you're not a salt guy, but maybe you're a sweet tooth. 
This is how the psalmist looks at scripture. You don't have to tell me to go to the word. I want to go to the word because it's my counselor. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate the false way. Young people, you want to get in front of adults in your life? I'll give you a heads up. Read Proverbs and memorize as many as you can. The book of Proverbs will give you wisdom that you are so young in getting that it will get you out in front. Did you know Proverbs will even help you in how you look for a godly spouse? The book of Proverbs is full of what are traps that could hold you back. It's an incredible book. I would tell you, if you're young here today, jump into it. If you just want to have some more wisdom in your life, jump into the book of Proverbs. Yet only 10% of us will follow us up on this. Finally, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When uncertainty comes our way, we have a lamp for our feet and we have a light into the future even when everything seems dark. The word of God is our compass here at Renew Bible and never has that been more true than just two years ago. I went from, hey everybody, see you next week for the second week of Daniel to, okay, 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 is it on? Yeah, we're on, all right. Church family, hey, with everything going on in the world today, we should let you know that the church will be closed this week. We're evaluating the situation and we hope to be open in another week. Go check the video. No idea what was going into the future. Within a year, we're meeting under a tent. And I said, let's open up a series called True North because when you don't know where to go, you follow truth. If I asked you right now, where's north in here? Where would you point? Um, there. Some of you might be like there. Some of you are like, <laughs> where's north? Some of you are at home going, you know, true north is right about like here. It's not exactly, I'll just do my best. That that's about where north is, okay? Not necessarily true north, but at least compass north, okay? It's about like there. But this world goes, I say it's there. Well, what? what? I say it's there. Wait, I, it's, it's there. No, it's there. Well, it's, it's actually there. Well, it used to be there, but like I've been reading a lot and now it's there. <laughs> You're laughing because you know it. You're living in this world. Wait a minute, you've been reading a lot and now it's there? Yeah, I've been doing research, okay. So it's there now? It's there actually right there. I wish it was because like my friend thinks it's there and I was thinking it was there and then like for 20 years of my life I was there and then this happened so now it's there. It's right there. Do you know the difference that makes in the life when you go, it's right there. That's what the child of God who knows that this is the word of God does every time they open this up. Yet 10 percent think it's worth doing every day. That's got to change. What's our compass at our home? What's our true north? When the world tells us all these things, dad, do you go to this? Mom, do you go to this? College student, when your professor is calling you a fool for listening to this, what do you do? because there's gonna be so many voices in your head 
that are going, that's north now. And if you go that direction, you're gonna pay for it. Yet I look at Lifeway, statistics recently, of people who are thinking that God seems silent in their life right now. And you see that people have read several passages or stories. Some have read half of the Bible. All of it more than once, only 9% of people who have Bibles. They have the word of God. Many countries it's banned and they might have four or five copies and the statistics are startling if they're accurate or if they're preacher worthy, I don't know. Either way, they say something. God hasn't been silent. Your Bible's been closed. He wants to talk. He has a living and active word for you. And it's Jeremiah who personifies scripture or makes scripture a snack. And he says something basically like this. He goes, your words were found. And I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. I am called by your name. Oh Lord, God of hosts, this world can't define me. You define me and your words bring me joy and hope. And so I wanna encourage you, this, this season of our church's life where we're renewing, what if you renewed your desire for the word of God? Ask God, renew my desire to hear your word. I'll give you a couple hints. Okay, try this, store it up. Get a screensaver, that's a Bible verse. Your wife's gorgeous, your girlfriend, she's great, your boyfriend, whatever. Put a verse on there this month, put it over them. They might really be intrigued by that, okay? Your family, whatever, put a verse on there. If you put a new verse on there every month, you'll memorize 12 verses in the next year. And how many of us haven't memorized a verse since they were in kids' Sunday school and they only did it so they could go out to recess? Put a screensaver on. Take a snack each morning. How about this? In Psalm 119, he also talks about testimonies. Find your favorite book. It's time for you to have a favorite book in scripture that you just love going back to and going back to. Oh, that you love to talk about. Maybe rise before dawn. I see throughout scripture how people get up and they rise before dawn to start your day. I'm like, what is this all about? I did it on vacation. I went down to the beach before dawn. Wasn't that great, but I enjoyed it. Maybe you're like, I'm not that much of a morning person at midnight. Maybe set an alarm on your phone. We set alarms for everything. What if you set an alarm on your phone if you're a night out at midnight? Hey, read some scripture. Ah, good reminder. It's on my seventh hour of this video game and maybe I will get a little bit in. I don't have time. Set an alarm and remind yourself. Enlarge my heart. Pray the Bible. Have you ever done that? Open up a psalm and just say, dear Heavenly Father, and pray the psalm out as you speak it. It's an amazing jolt to your prayer life. Find a hiding place throughout the psalms. It talks about going to a hiding place to be with God. I love to take my cell phone, put on worship music, and then read the Bible because I don't like the noise in my own head sometimes. It distracts me. Scripture talks about it, the, the, it's my song. Maybe find another worship song that can be a part of your life in the car, your precepts, do a commentary study. The Wearsby's Be This series is great. Grab it, say, I've always wanted to know more about that book of the Bible. I'm gonna get a commentary, I'm gonna read it. Open your word, maybe journal a book of scripture. Many of you are incredible journalers and you buy journal Bibles. This Bible was given to me by our staff and they all wrote a prayer for renewing it. And it will be a a cherish to me. 
because I can open it and see all their prayers. They select verses and wrote out prayers for our church, the entire staff. That's what journal Bibles can do for you. And you can look back at them and see how God's worked. Folks, we love the Bible here. It's a dynamic. It's in our name. But I can't think of any other reason to stand on the Bible than this. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. We don't love the Bible for the Bible's sake. We love the Bible because it tells us about Jesus. Moms, you got young kids? Don't let them grow up without the word of God in their life. Dads, you got some boys? Every once in a while, share with them your favorite verse at Buffalo Wild Wings. College students, you feeling alone? Take some of those alone times and go for a walk around your campus and try the word of God. You're gonna find that it is capable of renewing that inner man and restoring the joy of your salvation, restoring your hope for getting rid of some of the bitterness and anger that this world brings and leading you in the path everlasting. Heavenly Father, may we love your word. It's a part of our name because we don't really believe there's anything else we should be talking about. Lord, would you protect us as we continue to try to share this message? Lord, would you guide us as we seek to submit to its truth? Lord, would you continue to bring people to this local assembly that love your word? But most importantly, would you renew in everyone's heart, here or listening, a desire to be in your word? And that 90% of the content coming in would not be from this world and only 10% from your word. But that needle would begin to change this year and that there might be a renewal in the life that chooses that path. We pray this in Jesus' name.